The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. Well, hey, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. That's where we're going to be at tonight, uh, the text that we're going to be looking at. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, and we'll be looking at it in just a minute. Um, whoever doesn't have a Bible, uh, my man Coy's already walked up to the front, and so he's going to be uh, handing a Bible. Just shoot your hand up. No shame. You're asking for a Bible. It's a holy request. Okay. Colossians chapter 3. It's going to be the first four verses, but we're not quite there yet. So, um, so as you know, nothing new. We're on the sermon series, Belief, that is looking at the Apostles' Creed, a statement, um, a creed that's been around for a really long time, and we just want to join in with other believers, like-minded believers, that have been saying this statement for a long time. And you know, I was thinking about it this week. I really don't want this to be just some kind of like philosophy. You know, I, I feel like we can get into that and just really digging into just, you know, like the history and everything like that of it. And I think that's good. Um, but I think it applies to us today. And I want to make sure that we're doing that. And so I really do believe that it has something to do with youth today. I think this statement has to do with, with how, we're li- how we're living and how we live. And, and so I think we, we, we would really be doing a disjustice to what the creed is if we miss out on transitioning it over. So what's that mean to us? Right? It doesn't, it's not supposed to just stay in the 2nd century, in the 5th century. It's supposed to be in the 21st century. And what does it mean? And so I really do think if we look at what it says, how it reflects Scripture, it can really impact um, the way we live and kind of the outlook um, that we have. If you want to turn to the Apostles' Creed, if you guys just want to stand, we can read the Creed together. And we'll jump right into it, okay? Starting at the top. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven is seated at the right hand of the Father and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you for that. I didn't mess it up, and so I count that as a win. Okay? Ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. I've been pretty excited about this week. What does this mean? What does it mean that he ascended to heaven? I think really two things uh, are really significant that we know regarding this statement. The first one is that um, he's all places. He's not, he's not just uh, where we have to like run to Jerusalem with our friend on a mat, right? We don't have to like pull him along break through somebody's roof. Like he is, he's everywhere. He is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, and is accessible to us at all times. And then I think another thing that is just significant and is tied to last week is he reigns over all things. He is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and so he reigns over all things. He's 
more powerful than anything. He, he is greater than any issue that we have, right? He died and he took care of all of our sins, all the pain, all the hurt, uh, all the sin that we live ourselves and we experience from other people. He is greater than that. He overpowered that. And now he's seated in heaven. He reigns over those things. That's why we have prayer services on Sunday night. That's why, because we believe in a God that is more powerful, right? I, I heard just today, Sarah and I were talking of a, um, uh, a friend of ours. He is a part of the Northern Missouri District, um, and he's actually the DYD. His name's Ryan Christopher, and he just recently had a baby with, uh, with his wife, and they, they, were having, they had no expectation of any issues. Up until the, the moment of birth, there was no expectation of any complications. Right off the bat, in the first couple minutes, the baby started having strokes. And you can just imagine just the devastation, the, the, the fear that just strikes the family. They have no idea. Um, and so rush, him, uh, rush the baby to a different department in the hospital. And I don't know all the story. He's been kind of keeping updates on Facebook. But um, what it was looking like, it was that his, their, their baby was going to have some serious brain um, trauma from the, from the strokes, the seizures that he was having. And they, they really didn't know to what extent. They didn't know anything. They, I mean, I mean it's so, they're so, the baby's so young at that time. Um, it took days before he, could, before he could try nursing. So they had a feeding tube for the first couple of days um, because they didn't know if he was even able to function how to feed. Um, and so it was just honestly terrifying. I can't even imagine. And so we were, we'd just been kind of um, on this emotional journey, just paying attention to kind of updates as they were keeping him. But today... They, they met with the baby doctor. I don't remember what the name of the baby. Neurologist, Kate. Brain doctor. And the neurologist said that really worst case scenario is, is that he might have some, some vision issues. He might not be able to see 40-40. Um, and at that point, Ryan just said he wanted to jump up and kiss this doctor. I mean, just like, the, just, I mean, can you imagine, like, gives you goosebumps. Like, we have an, we have an amazing God. We ha- he, he was posting this on Facebook, and there were people that were responding from all, literally all over the world, globally responding, saying, we are in prayer at this very minute for you. And this just proves we have a God that is more powerful than anything. He's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. How amazing is that? We have a God that is greater than any issue. He died for our sins. He took care of everything that we could face. Everything in our world that could be more more powerful than us, that would take over us, that would be too much for us to bear. It's nothing to him. He he, he completely um, overpowers all that. So that is what it means. He he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And so I want to jump into Colossians chapter 3. I gave you some time to turn there. And so Colossians chapter 3, the first four verses... And I'm just going to read it, and you can follow along either on the screen above or um, what you have in your hands. Starting in verse 1, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. And I just want to stop really quick right there. Since then you have been raised with Christ. This is, this is a letter to Christians, believers. This is a letter to people that profess the name of Jesus Christ. They put their trust in the name of Jesus Christ. And so he says, since then you have been raised with Christ. This is the true fact of those who put their name or their faith in Jesus Christ. But I don't think that means that if you're not a believer today, if you're just not not a Christian, that this just doesn't apply to you. This is just, this, this is a promise 
to those who do put their faith in Christ. This is an extension to those who don't. We can keep reading. Set your hearts on things above then, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, uh, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen. Can we just pray really quick, just over this sermon, just from that text, and just uh, pray that God would just speak through the remainder of this service. I think that's just so important. God, I just pray right now, as you just um, spoke through your scripture to us, and you're going to continue to speak to us tonight, Lord, and you meet us in this place, Lord, I just pray right now that the words would settle on the hearts of individuals here, and that we wouldn't walk out unimpacted, but transformed and, and seeds planted in hearts, Lord, that, that we would turn more to, towards you, focus our minds and our hearts towards you in heaven. Lord, I just pray that you would speak through me right now, that, yeah, they would hear my voice, but, Lord, I just pray, first and foremost, that they would hear your voice to their, in, their, in their hearts and just speaking to their souls. Lord, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would be present and would be speaking to people tonight. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I think it's really significant. If you're looking at the text, the, the, the beginning and the end of the text are really the promises or the, the, the uh, significance of what it means when we believe. Since, since then, you will be raised in Christ. This is a promise of those who will believe. It also ends a very similar way. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. It is bookended, beginning and end. It's just capped with this promise of when you have your faith in Jesus Christ, you have a promise of eternity with him. This is the reality for Christians. And I think the, the middle there is, so what? So if we have that promise, it says at the beginning, it says at the end, what is the middle saying? And the middle is really saying, so therefore, this is how you should live. This is how you should live um, day by day. Because you have this promise, it impacts your life. Because you believe in Jesus Christ, now live this certain way. And we're going to be focusing really on that middle part there. Set your minds on things above not on earthly things. This is what Christians ought to do because they have faith in Jesus Christ. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. I think it's really addressing two things. Um, really two questions. So we ought to live uh, righteously. We should strive to be um, more holy. We should always be working on this process of, it's called sanctification, just being uh, more like God, right? Trying to constantly transform the way we live to more represent and look like Christ. Amen? Everyone good with that? That's a, that's a fact that we live by, right? Well, I think this really is answering two questions regarding that truth. First, it's really asking, or it's answering why. Why should we, why should we do that? And I think that's answered in the second part there. For you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. We're supposed to live holy lives because we have a greater promise in Christ. Because we, our, our promise isn't here on earth. We're, we, we have died to what's on earth. But 
our promise is life in Christ, who is where? Seated at the right hand of God. And I think that, that, that order is really significant, okay? Why we should live holy lives because we have a promise, because we have salvation, and it's not the other way around. We have salvation because we, have, because we live holy lives. This is a very significant um, order that, that these happen because I think a lot of us, teens, teens really, I mean, I think uh, struggle with this a lot. I did whenever I was um, a teenager. I just think because it's so misrepresented a lot of the times, to be completely honest. I think this idea of works and salvation, works and faith, can really just get intertwined and like, what's it mean? Oh, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, just live the best you can. You're saved. So like this order of... We have salvation, so therefore we live holy lives, and it's not we live holy lives, so therefore we are saved. We, we live holy lives because we already have died to this world, because we have a hope hidden in Christ Jesus. Matt Chandler, a, a, a pastor that I really enjoy listening to regularly, uh, kind of put it this way, strive to be better, but know that it does not impact salvation. He said, toil to live more pleasing to God, but know that it does not impact or alter Christ reigning on the throne, inviting you to heaven with him. We're called to live better lives. We're called to, to be the best we can. But that has no impact on if we're saved or not. It has no impact. And I think this is so important to know. Our living the best you can, you striving to be the best you can, you feeling convicted and the weight of I want to be the best I can has no, no impact on your salvation. Vice versa, your salvation has an impact on you wanting to be the best you can. Our actions become thanksgiving, praise to God. God, you saved me. You, you saved a wretched person like me, someone that is no good, someone that is, is living a horrific life. I am not good but you cared to save me anyway, so I will, I will put my faith in you and I will live the best I can. Our actions are in response to a God that has saved us. This is so significant that we know that. Why do we live holy lives? Colossians 3 continues, and it says in verse 17, whatever you do, word or deed, give thanks to God. Why? Because he saved you. Because he's given you a hope. He's given you a future. He's given you a promise. I have a, uh, where is it here? I want to make sure that I have it. I have a dollar here, and I think this kind of just represents this pretty well. Sorry, I'm not giving away a free dollar, so you guys can, like, relax a little bit. I don't know. People are, like, perked up, like, what, dollar? <laughs> this dollar, does everyone see it? Yeah? It's a little cut up around the edges. This is a pretty significant dollar to me. My little sister, Adeline, I talked about her a couple times before. She, uh, she wanted to give me a birthday present a couple years back. She didn't know what to get me. And so money, right, is always kind of a go-to present. So she, gets, she wants to give me one of her dollars that she has from allowance. Um, but <laughs> you know how there's like a border around the dollar? She thought that wasn't supposed to be there. She thought that was from printing, and they forgot to get the edges off. And so she cut it up, cut the edges off to make the dollar perfect for me. And like, just like, oh, right, isn't that just so sweet? And so I hold on to this dollar. This is, I don't know, maybe three, four, five years old. Uh, I hold on to it always in my wallet. Um, 
But that, I think, represents so well our actions before God. This is not, like, if she was trying to impress me, like, honestly, she failed. I mean, right? I mean, we can be honest, and, and that's just the truth. Like, this is, that was not impressive, but, but it, what, it, what it does do, it shows that she, she cares, and she loves me, and she's doing the best she can to, 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 to love me and just show me that through her actions. God says that our actions are like filthy rags. Like, I keep bringing that up because it's just, it's so true, and we need to embrace that truth. Our actions are not impressive to God. They're not, but it shows, God, I love you. God, thank you for saving someone that is so imperfect like me, someone that can't figure it out, that someone that can't do it right. No matter how many times I try, no no matter how hard I try, God, you still want to save me, and you love me. And so I want to I show you that I love you, and I, and I put my trust in you, and I, I want to give everything I have to you. That is what our actions are before God. That is why we live the best we can. Just to show God praise and honor and the glory that he deserves. So jump into how we live holy lives. How we live holy lives. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. I think this is kind of a a challenge uh, that, that we all really face. Uh, we, we say, okay, cool, we should live holy lives because, you know, we want to, to glorify God. But, like, how? How do I get it? Because I think we, and honestly, we come up with some crazy, crazy strategies to get rid of some of the sin in our lives, right? You don't have to, I mean, you don't have to show hands, but it's just the reality of who we are. We, we try to put our trying to be the best we can in our own hands. And so we come up with some crazy things. To like, oh, I got to get rid of the sin in my life, and so I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And it just, it never works. It never happens. We, we can't do it in our own strength. Only through Christ, only through the Holy Spirit working in our lives can we really um, eradicate or get rid of sin in our lives. How do we live lives holy? Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Can I be honest with you guys for just a minute? I think this is, this is significant. And in all honesty, it's not said enough, I don't think, in the pulpit. If you're, or anyone, if, if anyone is under the impression that you can have a life devoted to God in these four walls, or in an environment where it's comfortable, like home, if you think you can live a deeply passionate uh, life after God in those environments, but you don't have to do that at school or in places where it's uncomfortable, you're deeply mistaken. Such a relationship does not exist with God. Well, I guess, actually, I take that back. A lot of relationships like that happen. A lot of people uh, live that way. They go to church. They you know, try to live the best they can in front of the people that really need to see that they're living the best they can, but then it's not the same life at school or at this or that or that. Fill in the blank. That actually does happen a lot. But I don't think an, a, a relationship with God that represents an authentic, genuine, lively relationship with God, that is not one. And I think that needs to be said because that is the raw truth. That is so important. Because why? Because 
when you set your mind on things above, whenever you're living for God, it flows and floods out through every aspect of your life. Every crevice, every little part of who you are, it impacts and it affects, it changes. You can't just compartmentalize your relationship with God. If you have a real relationship with God, it will impact who you are at the very root and at the very core in all areas of your life. Sarah and I were talking, uh, and this is just kind of wrapping it up. Sarah and I were talking about this, and just we always try to work through this, uh, the text in our own lives, and just kind of talking through it some. And, and so we were talking about this last night, and um, we kind of found like three way or three areas that we really think that like it's really easy to be choosy with where we want to you know give God. Three areas where it's really hard to kind of like. Be the best we can for God in these areas. And this, so this, this isn't from the text, okay? This is from me. And you can't just like keep reading through Colossians. Colossians from the next five verses, like talking about these three things. It's not, okay? This is applying what we just read to, uh, to some different areas in our own lives. The first one is relationships. This is talking about romantic relationships. This is talking about um, seeking an intimate relationship, whatever you want to call it, boyfriend, girlfriend. But I mean, this also applies to all relationships, the people that you want to be speaking into your life the most, you should really discern that through the lens of looking at heaven first, looking at Christ, the priority of who you are, the one that defines you. If you have your your eyes set on heaven, on things above, why in the world would you want to have someone speaking something other than that into your life? Someone that challenges you to live more like God. This is something that was true for Sarah and I whenever we started dating. I mean, she genuinely is the number one person that challenges me to be the best I can and to love God more. If you, if you, aren't, seeking, uh, if you aren't seeking that kind of relationship with people, are your eyes set on, 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 on heaven, on, from things above? That doesn't mean that you shouldn't seek out friendships with, with people that are lost. That's not what I'm saying at all. I think you should speak life into those people. I think you should speak truth to those people. You should seek out friends uh, that, that don't know Jesus Christ. I think we're really, honestly, um, not following the Great Commission if we only have friend groups uh, that are saved. We're not doing our job that Christ has called us to if we only have friends that are uh, living holy lives. I think we're supposed to be out in the real world and, and, and impacting it in a significant way. But whenever you're seeking out relationships with people that would be impacting you, would be uh, influencing you, speaking into your life, I think it should be through the lens of looking at heaven, looking at what, what matters most to you, and not looking at what we've died to. Is, that, is everyone tracking with that? The second one is your alone time. Who you are alone is the most honest person. I mean, that's just the truth. Whenever you're by yourself, you are the most honest you because every single one of us has a secret life. Like, that's just the reality of it. Like, uh, you just can't share every thought that goes through your mind. It's just impossible. We have so many thoughts that go through our minds. And so your alone time, who you are, what you do in your alone time, what you think about in your alone time, I think we should set our minds on heavenly things in those times. And not on earthly things. I, you know, I, it brings me back to the idea of a, or the thought of the Lord's Supper. Whenever, you're, whenever Christ is sitting there with his disciples, 
and he's talking, and he, and he says, one of you will betray me. One of you guys is going to betray me tonight. And it's kind of interesting, the, initially the 11 that don't are like, is it me? Is it me, Lord? Am I the one that do it? And like, that just kind of shows like, there's a little bit of like self-honesty. Like, I guess, yeah, I mean, I'm not perfect. I am pretty tainted. Like, I, I'm not perfect. So is it, is it me? Like, that initially shows some honesty. But it also shows that they did not initially say, it's Judas. <laughs> it's that guy. He's the one that's going to betray you tonight. None of them assumed it was Judas. What's that say? Judas lived day in and day out with these guys. Every single day, he would live with these guys, and not a single one of them would have guessed that he was going to betray Christ. What are we doing in our alone time when no one else sees, when no one else watches you? What are you thinking about? What are, you know, and I think really when we're, when, when we're alone and we're by ourselves, are we setting our minds on heavenly things? Are we thinking about things that glorify God, that sing praises to God, that 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 shows God that we, that we want to praise him and, and love him? Or are we focused on earthly things? The third area I think that really is kind of difficult for us is um, the purpose behind our talents or just like utilizing our talents. Being all on, just being completely honest, I, I mean, I struggle with this and I think all of us really do. Being so, we are, we are just so naturally selfish and just so self-centered. And we always want to, you know, bring glory to ourselves. We always want to have everyone else like us, everyone else be happy with us. Wow, that was just so awesome what you did there. And, and like, we're always trying to impress people, right? That's just the reality of who we are. I want to show God that I love him whenever I'm doing this and that and that. But whenever it comes to like using my talents, like, man, I want to really bring some glory to me. I really want people to be liking me, Right? I think any time whenever it comes to the point where we're, we're doing what we're good at, what God has blessed us with, it's a blessing from God, the abilities that we have. But the second that we start doing that, just because we want people to like us, because we want our glory and, and all that, I, we're misusing a, a gift that God has given us, and we, we are running it through the dirt because I think he's given it for one reason and one reason alone, and that is to glorify him and to bring glory to his name and to, to witness his name to people. That is why we have talents. That's why we have abilities. That's why we're supposed to be um, using them in the world and not for our own. And we have, I mean, tonight we're talking about fine arts, some after service. This is such a, this is so applicable to that time. How many people do fine arts here? You know, whenever I was talking about it before, and I actually talked about it, I, I said the same thing whenever I was talking about Teen Bible Quiz. These things are awesome, and they, they show some real talent that you have. But you really need to gauge yourself. Why am I doing it? Am I wanting to glorify myself? Am I wanting people to see? Am I trying to get on that stage at District Fine Arts and like be the number one and people really loving what I'm doing? Or am I trying to glorify God in what I'm doing? Am I trying to bring glory to his name? It's a reality that I think really needs to be known. And I think if we are ever competing at fine arts because we want to, to bring glory to our name, and, or we're doing it for any other reason to bring glory to God, you shouldn't be involved. That's just the reality of it. And I'm not just saying fine arts or team Bible quiz, but anything. I think every single thing that we do, 
should be focused on heavenly things, should be focusing on eternal purposes and not on things that we've died to, the things that don't matter eternally. So wrapping up here, this text, if you can go back to the the original text, if you profess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you will be raised with Christ. This is a hope that we have. But we are called until that point, until we get to to the, the, the fulfillment of our promise to be with Jesus Christ, for eternity. Until that point comes, we have, a, we have, a, we have a, a command to live the best we can, to live holy lives. And why do we do that? It's not because we want to get to eternity. It's because we already are promised eternity, because we already are going to eternity. And so we will live holy lives now to thank God and to give praises to him. That's why we do it and how we do it. It's we're always setting our minds on heavenly things. It's not some like special formula. Okay, I can't just say, you know, hey, well, if you do this or you do that, jump on one leg three times. Like there's, there's no formula. I just can't give you a formula of how to live a godly life, a a God-pleasing life other than setting your minds on for things above. Setting your mind on things that, that matter eternally. That is the only thing that matter. That, that is the only thing that can truly bring about a holy life. So if you're sitting here and you're like, I'm wrestling with sin. I'm wrestling with doing this. I, I'm struggling with doing this. I'm telling you the only thing is setting your mind on heavenly things. Set, setting your mind on things that, that matter for eternity because all other formulas, man-made formulas, if you, you know, throw your, whatever, there's, we always fail because we are not strong enough. But if we set our minds on heavenly things and we let Christ take control, take charge, and do what he has already promised that he would do, this is the reality that, that Christians have. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear in glory. What an amazing promise we have. What an amazing promise we have. We hope you enjoyed this sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.